I don't lose control, but I can lose my shit. I have been watching The Real Housewives since 2006 and have never been able to figure out a tagline. <laughs> and that's true. Wait, I love it. I love it. It's like a... It's a thing? Is it a thing? I don't... I, adm I admire people. They People can come up with them like that. And I just have never... Like, and I'm, sometimes I watch What Happens Live, like the non-Bravo Lab guest comes up with theirs on the spot. And I'm like, this is, a, this is just a skill I don't have. Like, but, but it, it, that, so I put it as my tagline. So I have to say, so I've done over, this is episode 400, whatever. Oh, also you guys, you know, it's Andy's girls. Welcome back. Um, but, uh, episode 400, whatever. So at the end, of, I do a new tagline every episode. So at a certain point I'm like, hi, how are you? Good morning. Cause I think people, especially if you're it's your first time on AG or you're a return yeah. AG guest and you're like, oh my God, I have to think of another tag. But I think in the ways that sometimes housewives kind of call it in, you know, sometimes those extra special zesty taglines that come from a place you don't even know are the ones that, that I hold close, that I hold yes. dear. Candace's are always the best. Mm. And, and Teresa's are good too. Uh, Anyway, we don't have to get bogged down on this, but I, I, I really, what will I do? Uh, should I return? Should I be invited to return? <laughs> Andy Scroll, because I just, Andy Scroll, because I just used my one. Well, we'll think of another, and I think okay. it probably should, since Beverly Hills is always a topic of conversation in Beverly Hills, maybe. We'll throw little Kyle Richards, Umansky, possibly Richards again, energy into the mix and see what happens. Guys, as I have already said once, but let's do it again for luck. It's Andy's Girls. I'm so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch, Zoom, Kiki, etc. You know her as Variety's editor at large. I know her as someone who breaks literally all of the news that's fit to print and also scroll. Kate Arthur, I, this has been a dream, a pleasure, a thrill. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I can't believe it's your first time, but hopefully it's not your last. Welcome to AG. I thank you so much, Sarah. I am very excited to be here. Um, and yeah, let's do it. Thank you for the comments. Very, very kind of you to say. So I have to ask, you know, we were chatting a little bit uh, beforehand, trading state secrets. And um, you mentioned that you are typically a housewives completionist, which yes. I feel like it's a select few. And unfortunately, I am no longer an absolute completionist. Can I say I'm a partial completionist, which takes away from the actual definition of being a completionist? I didn't see that lost season of Orange County when it is Housewives specific. So I was almost one. I'm Wait, almost which one. season do we think is the lost season? Kelly Dodd's last season? Because yeah. last season wasn't great either. But uh, it, when Heather first came back. But um, so is was the deep in COVID, was that when the... Is that the lost season? 
Yeah, she kind of broke me a little bit on social and I was losing my shit so often on social media that I was like, and I don't believe in boycotts at all. I think if you like Bravo, regardless of what's going on in one person's DMs, let's say, or or what's going on, if you don't want to watch, you have every right not to. If you do want to watch, you have every right not to. You can get value, including in saying that someone's a piece of shit. Um, but I couldn't personally watch it because the idea of talking about her in any context gave me so much personal agita that I couldn't do. It was it would not have been fun for the listeners or anybody else. So I but I heard it was bad. I heard it was not great. It was the last season with Bronwyn yeah. that season. Oh, yeah. But Bronwyn, she put in the work, man. I, I don't you know, I, I didn't. It was, it was anyway. But I didn't quite understand there must have been stuff going on behind the scenes that led to Bronwyn's departure because in many ways she was the only person that season who had anything happening. But we don't have to linger on this. I just I remember pre-writing that Kelly Dodd was oh getting the boot and having such a fun. There's nothing more fun for me and this is maybe sad, but then then right at the end of a housewife season being like, OK, who will no longer be with us when this show returns? Um, and, you know, and then I run my theory back to Bravo over Bravo. You know, uh, would it be safe to assume that I should pre-write Lisa Rinna leaving the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? And then I can take my time um you know, and and with Kelly Dodd, it was the twofer of Kelly getting the boot and Heather Dubrow coming back. So um, once I heard that that was in the offing, that was a fun uh, that was a fun thing to write. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I can't imagine it. And I think that Kelly and Bronwyn skadoodle is interesting. It was an interesting strategy on Bravo's part to sort of uh get rid of the two most polarizing people on the cast potentially for different reasons one of whom Kelly seemed to get along internally with several members of the then yeah. existing cast Bronwyn at a certain point was isolated um but That's it true. did feel like a little bit of a new beginning for them which I think was uh was productive because I think it was at, at a certain point you know and we can talk about this within the construct of Vanderpump rules too when the conversation is so deafening about favoritism or liking or disliking that you can't move story forward even in the bravo community i wonder what if any impact that has on network decision making do you have thoughts on that i think that i mean i just remember when i was thinking about what to write for the rena leaving which i was sure was going to happen uh, it, it's like there's this ineffable moment when even someone who viewers used to love to hate or has always been divisive, there's a moment when they go through the Rubicon and they just become unpleasant for everyone to watch. Um, and, you know, Rinna had had a terrible, her mom had died. She was so, she loved her so much. She was very beloved. She probably should have stepped away from the show to kind of gather herself and instead just had the worst season of television of any housewife in years to me. Um, but, uh, and just, 
you know, just lashing out at everyone. Understandable emotional outbursts within what she was going through, but just not fun for anyone to watch. Um, and uh, yeah. And so, you know, I think that there's a moment when it's just not fun anymore for anyone. And that's when, you know, you got to do the pre-write. So <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is probably doing a pre-write in their minds. Um, I would have thought the same of Ramona, but she's ended up on girls trip. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't know how that happened. Um, but I don't know. That was a surprise. Well, the Ramona, I feel like the pre-write was written, you know, she did make mention of the fact that this chapter in her in her life had been done. There had been yeah. some murmurings of the network agreeing. And in an, a moment of sort of historic oddity, I do not think she would have been back to Bravo in any capacity of recent, except for the implosion of legacy negotiations yeah. and some of this Jill stuff. It, it seems like she replaced Jill, that they were in need of some sort of sure. longstanding cast member. Apologies to Kristen Takeman, but like not necessarily an Aviva. You know what I'm saying? Even though actually Aviva is probably a bad example. Not like a Heather Thompson. Yes. Right. Right. Who they sort of brought back for a second and then she just did not make the most of that. Mm -mm uh in it i mean i i was one of the people who thought you know i wouldn't mind seeing heather thompson again and then she called ebony articulate and i was like and goodbye <laughs> so <laughs> that was just that was a tough friend appearance uh time for her but yeah Yes. But that was also, if there was any season in which I wish I was not a completionist, it would have yeah. been that season. Looking back, I yeah, mean, terrible. it was just almost unwatchable. For you as a journalist in those moments, like, what's your thinking going in when you potentially want to cover a season that's seen as in shambles like how do you react to that in conversation with the housewives with the network with production what do you think their sense of the temperature in the room is yeah well there started being with that season was it season 13 mm -hmm. unlucky 13 so season 13 of brony uh unlucky in every way but clearly something started happening with the reunion very early on like there kept being like Daily Mail and Radar reports about how they couldn't schedule the reunion. E even before, if I'm remembering correctly, there was any question, like way before a reunion should have been scheduled. So it, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And clearly someone was leaking that stuff. Like, like say Ramona... Uh, for example, I don't know, but, you know, say that she was like, I will absolutely not sit down with any of these people and I don't want to relive this. Like, say that she was saying that to the gossip press because um, page six was doing some of it, too. Um, you know, I was like, this is very strange. And so I was very much in touch with Bravo about like when when it, do you have a reunion date? Like I was like asking every week or every few days as it did get closer. And then I interviewed Ebony toward the end of that season. 
Um, and she said, there's a date. So I followed up with Bravo and they were like, no, there isn't yet. And I was like, this is okay. This is getting weird. Cause I, I interviewed her toward the end of the season and, uh, and then because I had asked so many times, um, uh, you know, they were like, there's going to be no reunion. And I, I and I had to scram. That was like that was like when you don't have a prereq, you know. So that was like I had to like write and publish and alert and then fill it out and you know, um, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a crazy situation for such a beloved uh, part of the franchise, you know. That and you know, hopefully. Hopefully the new cast will be great. Um, and, you know, but I'm always like, wait and see, never interview anyone before the season starts. Because we were offered in, to inter interview Ebony like before that season, like, you know, the history being made first black cast member, Real Housewives of New York City. Um, and and I, that's always what I think about when I, because I'm like, imagine if we'd just done a fun preview piece right. with Ebony. Like how embarrassing that would be. Um, how much that would live in infamy, you know. So um, you know, one of our junior reporters was asking about previewing one of the new Bravo shows. And I was like, just there'll be a time way, in, you know, mid-season or later, uh, you know, figure out who the most compelling person is and do it then, you know, um, because you just don't want to know. So we, you know, I don't, I don't even know whether the, we would never do a making of the new Roni cast story because who the hell knows? I mean, that one woman who I won't be in it at all, but she already quit because she was getting, you know, she was getting a, a barrage of anti-Semitism heading her way. And it's like, I, you know, so, <laughs> but she'd appeared at BravoCon, you know, so it's, it's it's uh you gotta you gotta watch these people as they perform on TV and go with what that is. So the oddity of that housewife was that she actually wasn't at the BravoCon announcement at Legends Ball or whatever it was. The cast was there, but she was not because it had been a Jewish holiday. So looking back from a perspective of even just like getting the cast shot it sort of worked out that she didn't have wow. to be on stage just I would think for them in terms of like promotional yeah. stuff yeah um but certainly that conversation and the conversation around uh anti-semitism and also her exit which I think was probably layered and complicated um from what I'm sure we've both heard uh yeah. is something that I think frankly you know there's another Jewish housewife in the new cast right. and so I do feel like there will be representation there and I just don't know if the representation with the cast member whose name unfortunately I forget Liz would Lizzie have been... Svetsky it just yes, came Lizzie Svetsky yes, yes. would have been I don't know how that would have gone for anybody and especially after season 13. I was surprised when they picked her given um you know some of the stuff that she posted on her Instagram. And yeah, so was I. I was very surprised. One whose name leaked. Um you know and I believe maybe moved to New York, like lives in Texas. 
so yes, yeah, so I think she was a New Yorker, then was in Dallas, then was uh, some, you know, murmurings that she might be a Dallas cast member and had filmed for a potential season that did not, in fact, move forward. And then she She's was one of the potential new cast members, yeah. and no, never was. That speaking of which, that 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 was a good thing that that showed. <laughs> I mean, speaking of imploding, but yeah. I mean, I miss Tiffany Moon. I I do, yes. but uh, she's oh, terrific. Man. Dr. Tiffany Moon. I mean, candles for days. I have her, one of her aromathesia. I, I think I said that. How is it? I love them. And honestly, the packaging is so funny. Like when it gets into like the medical whatever, and it's just, it's very sassy. It's honestly very well done. It's like a great gift. I've given them as gifts. I think they're really, and people always laugh when they see it because it's for a housewife fan. I need to look at her website. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Dr. Tiffany, if you're listening, we got to get some cases en route to Variety HQ. Um, You know, this conversation around oftentimes notoriety, but the storytelling of it from a news perspective is interesting, especially in light of the reckoning, I guess, spiritually or otherwise, that's facing members of the cast of Vanderpump Rules. And I have to ask you, as someone who's written about it long form, broken any number of uh, exclusives um, through your work at Variety, um, at a certain point, has the noise become too loud or do you feel like we're working for we're working toward a part three this week that we will watch that feels consistent and complete within just a noise that has been incredible um, as people are ever so focused on all things Scandival? Yeah. Part three is very much under wraps. Um, but, uh, you know, I it can't, it has to be a letdown, you know, whatever happens, um, there's no way. Uh, and I interviewed Alex Baskin, who's the executive producer again last week. And he said, um, that he was, you know, deliberately hyping it up when he said in the story that I wrote that came out, on the day of the finale, I mean, not not in a cynical way, but I'm just like face. does he you're, you're making a face. He does. He does truly believe what he said, because my question was, why aren't cameras on these people now? I'm uncomfortable with the fact that they're out there <laughs> lives and we don't have eyes on them right now. Um, that was what I was you know, concerned about. And and he he said something and not to be repetitive with with but he said you know at first i thought the exact same thing we need to start production right away and then they taped uh the reunion and and they taped you know they continued taping and he said and then i felt like the cast needed to see all three parts of the reunion um and and then we can start and and i think that i think they're really starting quite soon like today is June 5th and um you know uh, the the it, they're going to start in the next couple of weeks so it's not a big breather and all the contracts will be i presume signed imminently if they're not already but um but yeah i mean uh but he he knew what he was doing when he said that he's been a reality producer for too long but although when i 
the story that I wrote um, about, you know, how Bravo captured the Scandaval um, was doing well on Reddit. Um, but the threads kept getting taken down because people were like, it's that Raquel's pregnant. Um, oh. And I guess on Reddit, you can't, I don't know if this, this must be some self-imposed community thing, but th- they, you can't speculate about that. Good. Drug, drug use, What you know, there are things yeah. about people's bodies that you can't say. Good. And so, so I was texting with my main contact at Bravo when the first one got shut down, which was, I was uh, sad because of the traffic to the story. Ah, <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, everyone thinks Raquel's pregnant. And, and, and she was like, no, that's crazy. No, that's not it. You know? And then, um, and, but they honestly, she was like, we're shocked about this. Um, just because, I mean, that would be so dark, you know, that wouldn't be a fun thing to talk about. Like, that's not a fun tease. That's like, that would be like a, Aronofsky movie. I mean, really, like, I don't even so exclamation point. Yeah, I I think the conversation from the perspective of like content creation went so far left and was to me, I thought it was incredibly inappropriate. And people are like, posting photos of people that are thought to be Raquel, but it's just a literal human person walking around and saying, do you think this is Raquel? And what do you think this means? And it's just, I just think if you're, there are so many issues with it. So I, I posted on Instagram was like, this is why I'm not engaging in this conversation. And here's a a link for some people who might want to understand why talking about or assuming or speculating on any person's potential uh, pregnancy is incredibly inappropriate and frankly dangerous to others who might, um, be experiencing any number of life circumstances. I thought it was from the perspective of like, you know, going low, that was one of those below the bar of well, well, well underneath the base of what is in any way appropriate or constructive conversation it sucks though that it fucked up your traffic i mean that as a well whatever it was it the story did fine but it was it was you know um but it was just it was uh you know it was it was interesting you know it was it was interesting to i i and and i felt a little dumb that my first question to him wasn't is raquel pregnant because like so many people leaped to that as it just didn't even occur to me to ask, I, I guess, because of the way he was saying it, which was like, like winking and and this is a fun puzzle for everyone, you know, but inevitably it will be a letdown. Uh, there's no way it won't be. But I think I understand, you know, if 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 what I've guessed it is, is correct, you know, which is just she comes clean about the timeline. I mean, this is like what other people have said. Um uh yeah you've said it exactly I'm pointing to myself I've said that yes. for literal weeks which to me is shocking like I I wonder if Alex regrets some of the ways that he phrased the, like they need a timeout from this because it it did feel loaded reading it and I was like oh shit and and so a lot of us genuinely were like I was shaken by that. I was like, how much worse can this get? Because the yeah. Scandal in and of itself is like really fucking nuts. But I've been saying on any number of Instagram stories and episodes, not to pat myself on the back, because I think the majority of people 
the gut instinct is the reveal is this has something to do with the timeline, which to me would be like, this is the Shakespearean tragedy of it all. If to me, this is me having not seen it, no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, but here's a podcast. Here you go. I would think from the perspective of like Shakespearean tragedy, if if the reveal has something to do with the timeline and there is potentially an intersection with the James stuff, the way that Tom was trying to obscure any kind of closeness with James, which felt to me a little bit manipulative regardless, oh, that would have been yeah. wild. That would have been a wild reveal, which is what I've, you know, from the timeline perspective, I thought it could potentially go back a little ways. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say now, especially because I don't know, um, we, yeah. we are doing video, um, for that will hopefully go up uh the plan is for it to go up after the final reunion episode um but video interviews with um with uh alex baskin and erica forsat um who are who she's the executive at bravo who oversees uh vanderpump rules um uh sheena and um and andy cohen for this feature that we called a video feature that we call making a scene. And, um, and I, I assume, I don't know whether this will be in it, but I, when I interviewed Andy for it, he said that, you know, he's known Tom since 2013, he's known him since the show premiered. And he, he said, Tom was, he was completely, out of sorts, very shaken and shaky during the interviews, both the one-on-one -on -one and the group setting. Um, and I, I, I actually felt like I didn't notice that, you know, he's, he definitely looks on edge for sure. And he seems to have lost weight, not to comment on someone's body, but he, he, he looked very, uh, thin. Um, and, uh, and, you know, but I, I thought he, I didn't notice that, that he seemed really nervous. Um, but that's what Andy said. So, uh, th I thought that was very interesting, but the point being that, um, you know, I don't know how much they, the reunions have really leaned into this idea that Tom would coach people. Um, Sandoval and, um, and I think there's some of that also, um, but with the James stuff, I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's just being oppositional, you know, like, and that was hurtful obviously to James, you know, but, um, yeah, I think, I think Tom feels like it's me against the world and I'm not even going to look for an ally, you know? Uh, and James was obviously screaming at him like a, like a <laughs> well, you know, crazy person, but, um, but I'm trying to physically attack him and stuff, but yeah. From the perspective of, um, you know, talking to Andy and, and people who are high up in production and the network, how yeah. do you process even their own possible reckoning of what does this mean to the person that Andy has known for 10 years? I mean, obviously there have been novels written about Tom being a piece of shit 
as relating to the scan of all, but how do you kind of comport yourself in the moment when you're looking at this person who, to Andy, regardless of whether or not we felt it from the camera, was appeared, uh, did appear shaky, shaken, and potentially removed from himself? Like, how does that influence, do you think, the way that Andy and the network, maybe less so the network, which is sort of like a dark force on high. Um, but from the perspective of Andy, do you did you feel that in terms of how he spoke with Tom or how he sort of handled himself as the moderator and the guiding force behind the reunion? He was just staying pretty neutral, right? I mean, from what we've seen, um, he's definitely knows these people well at this point, but I don't, He's not an executive producer of Vanderpump Rules. He doesn't have any oversight of the show, uh, which he's always made clear. I mean, he made that clear when um, Stasi and Kristen were fired uh, in 2020. Um, and he, I don't know. I mean, I think he's pretty sympathetic to some of them, but Lisa Vanderpump is doing a lot of that herself. So I don't know that he felt like he needed to do any of that. Although he was, wasn't he on a podcast? I didn't listen to it, but I saw some headlines saying that he thinks that, you know, Sandoval didn't kill anyone. He did things that, you know, some people do and it's bad, but like, let's stop threatening his life, you know, which valid by the way, but like, um, you know, uh, he, I, I think he, I don't know. I wonder whether that those comments were inspired by anything like that. Um, but what he's the conversation that he had with him, I don't know. He's done a great job with this reunion. Um, but, uh, uh, fallen cards aside. Well, <laughs> my God, the, the truly the one of the my favorite parts of the reunion so far. Yeah. <laughs> it is always interesting. You know, there is a conversation to be had about why death threats are bad in any in any capacity. You would think yes. that would just be understandable that you shouldn't be a piece of shit online in the ways you also shouldn't be threatening someone's life offline. Like they're really you shouldn't do it at any time especially targeting them making adding them to handles saying you know absurd things that maybe aren't a death threat but are wildly inappropriate i think in terms of like engaging and trying to badger or be belittling to the point of like really vile behavior but yeah. also when we measure the response to Tom and does this seem fair or the response to Tom and Raquel, the baseline can't be if he, since he didn't murder someone, a lot of the anger and frustration isn't deserved, which maybe sure. deserved isn't yeah. the right word, but like looking at his behavior and the ways that he's been behaving at the reunion the ways that he was behaving on that Howie Mandel interview, the ways that he was behaving during the finale, it felt so deeply manipulative that it ties back into what Lala said, which LVP had huge disagreements about during the episode and on social after, which was the idea of what makes a person dangerous. And we talk about physical danger, which no one should be in a position to face, but also 
there is the idea of the danger of like social and emotional isolation that he seems to yeah, be sure. trying to utilize not for the first time, which compounds a lot of this, a lot of the fury that people feel. Yeah. Yeah. And and of all people who have anger issues, Tom Sandoval is up there. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I it's also I, I, I don't feel I know him in the way I know other people on reality television. I tried to, I had a hard time describing him when I wrote that story, just because I was like, who, who is he? Um, and most of the things he's done where he's on the right side of history, say, standing against Jack with Jack's with that transphobic uh, pastor who they had hired to perform their wedding ceremony. Most of those things are kind of fueled by Ariana. Um, so, you know, he I have no grasp of him. And what Ariana said about how he's loving this attention kind of chills me to the bone, you know, the idea of that, because I'm not someone who thinks any attention is good attention. Like when people have attacked me on the Internet and it's happened a couple of times, I'm really not happy about it. And I do not fuel off of that. Like, I don't like it, you know, and I, I admire people who do not care. Um, and I should probably get a more of a spine, I guess. I mean, I don't wilt publicly, but, uh, you know, but I, I, I've, ha I've been at the bottom of, uh, like two internet pylons that I can think of. And I, I was, you know, I hadn't done anything wrong, but I, I would have, I, you know, he's out there on tour, you know, he's not hiding in a cave, you know, like it's just, it's the opposite of what I can possibly relate to and, and very disturbing, you know, um, just the idea that he might be thriving off of this is so strange. He's also, by the way, ditched his best friend with their failing restaurant, you know, and I mean, double shitty like shorts we can get to but um you know i mean that's not cool on a very basic level so yeah and i was re-watching yesterday for truly no reason whatsoever shout out to the scan of all random wedding episodes of vpr like sheena and mike shea katie and schwartz um the lead up to Jax's, although I for oh no, I think I watched part of the Jackson Brittany Kentucky Castle affair. And what was so interesting to me, because I also watched a bunch of reunions. I was just watching a lot of random fucking shit yesterday. But um, in watching a bunch of these reunions, there were moments where Sandoval during the reunion, but also the season was so unnecessarily explosive, which like, LOL, that I'm saying that within the construct of VPR. And maybe this is because I have the Scandal in my back pocket and that's coloring a lot. I really got the impression, as you said, that it's hard to illustrate who Sandoval is, which makes his behavior so much more important because the standard here is based on often him bullying, saying belligerent things, but based on maybe progressive ideals, I believe in or maybe based on things that Ariana has said it 
allowed him permission to be so vile to people, especially women. Like there was one point where he told Katie during a reunion, it was her fault. She was being fat and body shamed that she brought this on herself and deserved it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even remember that moment happening, but it was one of several where he was very aggressive, especially with women on the cast. And while that is, you know, a little bit of the flavor of the day with VPR, it did feel intentional. And maybe that's more a part of his character and being than we sort of allowed ourselves to believe. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Andy's Girls. Sign up today. 
With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly, Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code Andy's Girls for 15% off today. I'm engaging. 
I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. I mean, one of the things is that when you're on a reality show with people you just naturally do not like. Yeah. And on it for years. Th that's going to play out in different ways. Katie and Sandoval never got along. Right. They were never friends, but they were forced to be. And, you know, your your spouse or your partner's best friend doesn't need to be in your life as much as it, it's it's because they're on a show together that they the three of them have to interact, you know, otherwise. Schwartz would have seen Sandoval and Schwartz would have hung out with Katie and never the twain shall meet or the twain shall meet um, as little as possible when your best friend and your partner don't get along. You know, you don't want to be in that situation, but they're on a show together. And and honestly, watching this past season, what I would wish for Katie is that dog transfer aside, you know, that she just never have to interact with Schwartz at all. Like she, they, they are divorced people who uh, just shouldn't try to be friends. They're just maybe someday they they've hated each other for years and mm -hmm. he's mostly hated her, which he gets away with. You know, he just acts like a puppy dog and that he loves her. And, you know, act sad sometimes but I, I mean I don't think that plays anymore but you know I mean they just shouldn't be in each other's lives but they're on a tv show together so you know I mean it's Ariana saying that she won't film with Sandoval and Raquel 
makes all the sense in the world. And then you realize that she and Sandoval still live in a house together. And that's, gets, that gets crazy. You know, <laughs> she hasn't moved. Neither of them has moved out. And they're going to have to sell that house, obviously. But I don't really understand the finances of it. Um, given that didn't he borrow against the house? I hope right. she's not fucked. We know the details of that because is that why they're not selling the house yet? I don't know that they're in a place. I think she's probably getting uh, some sort of guidance, hopefully legal right now and financial and a combination of the two. But I think so much of this has been triage for them that I don't know that she has been thinking potentially like get a sign in the yard or maybe she has, but it's not a great indicator that this is going to happen very quickly by the fact that he has refused to leave. And also his colorization and characterization of what she's doing there and the ways that Ariana has in Tom's mind been rewarded. Like I think for him, it's a two parter. One is like, you should be thankful for some of the opportunities that have been afforded to you by this. So I can't be that bad because my poor behavior has resulted in any number of like campaigns and whatnot. And also where is that for me? Like I was listening to, I don't even know if it was Kristen's podcast or Lala's podcast. I think it was Lala's, but on one of them, one of the recent episodes, they were talking about the fact that he was upset behind the scenes that he wasn't being asked to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, that he was upset that he hasn't been (laughs) giving a look, that he hasn't been given these opportunities, which gets into the thing he said at the very start of the reunion, like, thank you for taking care of her. And the reason that that's so laughable is that I think he's wondering why he hasn't been taken care of as well. Like where's so like the idea of them moving out, I guess apparently he's been, which we saw some of in the finale, really upset that she's had friends over. He said at one point to um, uh, their then mutual, very good friend who broke up with Tom as a result of this, like, you're not allowed to watch TV. I'll take that TV off the wall. Like, I bought that TV. You're not allowed to watch it. That property is mine. I think there is some sort of stake in the ground that I think he feels about um, opportunities that have come to Ariana as a result of this that I think he feels he should have owner- possible, at least partial ownership of. Just yes, exactly. But I one bit of insight, you know, I when I was trying to figure out who I wanted to talk to for the story I was writing, um, you know, Bravo was helping me, of course, and advising me about who the best voices would be. And uh, I was interviewing Lisa Vanderpump for a variety event anyway. And so we set up a time for me to speak with her afterward. And then once I spoke with Alex Baskin, I was like, you know, I don't think I need to talk to anyone that that was a very complete interview. And then I was like, unless I could speak with Ariana and she already had her, you know, she was going to be on Watch What Happens Live and um, and she already had her exclusive interview with The New York Times set up. But I was told, you know, we can ask, but then we'd also have to ask Sandoval if he would talk to you and, and I was like, okay, withdrawn, don't want to, you know, um, you know, just for fairness's sake. Uh, 
if if I spoke with Ariana, I would have to talk to Tom also. So um, I don't remember Tom being a part of the New York Times piece. No, 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 no. But that was just a story about her. Um, oh, this but if you did a story about. Yeah. Got it. OK, because I was like, that's so weird. No. How did you feel about that? Being is how how always happy to interview fewer people. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I mean. uh, no, I no, it was it it made sense to me, and um, I also know the New York Times were person who was writing it for the New York Times. I didn't want to take anything away from her, and you know, anyway. But uh, so yeah, no, it was. But I was surprised. Um, obviously Raquel is unavailable at the moment, um, or was, uh, I don't know whether she still is, but, um, but, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think he, I think they must have known that he would have said yes to an interview. I think that's what that meant. It's so interesting that he would have even said yes, noting the parameters that he put around that Howie Mandel interview. He was, he, it was expressed not by him, but on his behalf that there would be no counter, um, mm-hmm. pe- right. that Howie's daughter specifically wasn't allowed to respond. And she was the only one in the room that had seen the apps because she was a Bravo fan. Um, it's interesting that he would even be open to an interview, regardless of how much he appears to be chomping at the bit. I mean, I don't know, because I, I, he really did himself no favors doing that because, I mean, he knew what happened at the end of the reunion, you know, like he's, he's going to come to some kind of tearful, uh, tearful point, um, where he kind of, you know, we've seen it in the pre, you know, like he, he's, actually apologizing for the first time which he does not do at any point um yet he should have just come out there i mean he did and then they all jumped on him but that was crocodile tears but you know i mean any any place that he came to that he remembered coming to that was a place of uh trying to genuinely be sorry and represent represent sadness and regret like he just undercut it with that Howie Mandel thing I mean that was that was really an appalling uh performance and you know it it just you know nothing he says matters after that you know yeah and also uh, because he obviously was aware of how the reunion went and was also aware of whatever reality exists between his storytelling, other people's storytelling, and what actually occurred. Obviously, it's like the truth, but then your perception of the truth becomes the truth. It's so interesting that he seemed to triple down on what I thought were like the darkest, most shocking parts of not only his behavior, but Ariana's then interview on Call Her Daddy, where she said, you know, the things that he's been saying about my mental health and the ways that he's been characterizing me saying as a threat that I would potentially unalive myself using language he did not. It's just so fucking shocking to me, because as you said, like, eventually we're going to watch the reunion. So I get why he would want to 
get in front of some of this at some point, but like to say to Ariana's best friend, who's one of his best friends, to say to the cameras, to say then to Howie Mandel that this thing happened that Ariana said quite literally did not. It's it's like under the auspices of, of I'm coming on your podcast because while I know you don't watch Vanderpump Rules, I know you care so much about mental health. It's like so shockingly abhorrent. It's one of the worst things that I've seen someone seemingly knowingly do over and over and over again and also try to slide in during the reunion. I know that, you know, you weren't feeling well, like the way he tried to use coded language to reference this thing that very, very possibly didn't occur is it's just it's like when you ask why people are so mad. I mean, my God, it's like that's like exhibit one. Right. Well, I yeah. And Sheena had, you know, in that final scene between Sheena and Sandoval in the in what ended up being the finale, Sheena created a roadmap for him about how he could have gotten out of that relationship right. without destroying Ariana's mental health. Like, I mean, s- saying the names of people we don't even know who they are, you know, like which is usually a no no on the show. Like you're not really allowed to acknowledge that people know anyone else in the world, you know. But um, but like, you know, so so you call me, you fly in this right. person, you call her brother. Yeah. And and uh and you know and 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 how could and he seemed to nod and take that in, nod and take that in and then totally reverse it at the reunion uh, and in every other way since, you know, so like he 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 had a way out that he just didn't take. And he was obviously lying to Schwartz and clearly lying to Raquel about what was happening um, between him and Ariana and. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it is an interesting thing. Um, one of the things I've asked Andy Cohen, and again, I don't know what uh, what we'll, we'll be using, but, um, uh, you know, I said uh, Raquel and Tom lied to the cameras during a season of television and as a house as the housewives producer you know i was like you've seen this before um of people trying to hide things robin dixon from potomac Mm. comes to mind like you know what what do you what do you do about that and he was like well in this case they gave us a season of television that was better than any other so you say thank you you know i mean whatever i mean it it, there it's not the robin dixon you know um it's it's like uh you you have not only made this season amazing he didn't say this but you've not only made this season amazing but you've set up next season to be at the very least incredibly interesting you know obviously it'll be i assume it'll be a letdown from the season how can it not be right um, but uh but yeah i mean it's it's uh, but, you know, the point is he just lies all the time, it seems. And it's it's I don't know, as a person, if I knew him in my life, I'd be like, that's pretty sad. What happens to Tom Sandoval as a viewer? I'm like, OK, I will believe you never, you know, and it doesn't matter what he says. Uh, 
And it doesn't matter what kind of revelation he ever comes to himself, personal realizations. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know who he is. I do not know who he is. And I would think the complication for Tom, let alone production, is that if he does have a moment of revelation of I I understand who I was, who I now am, and what I need to do to become the person I want to be, like who's going to be around to listen? Like quite literally, yeah. who is going to be in the cast who would participate in that kind of conversation yes. aside right. from possibly Schwartz and maybe Raquel, but I would assume that a part of that breakthrough would come as a result of Raquel not being available to listen. So I don't know what bottom would look like for Tom and who would be around to film it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I assume that Schwartz is stuck with him um, because... I'm unclear about where Schwartz stands with the cast. I mean, Sheena said uh, when I interviewed her for this for this thing, she was like, I guess Lisa Vanderpump is just going to have 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 to have a lot of events, uh, you know, where kind of everyone has to come. But, you know, even then, is Ariana really going to be in a room with them? I don't I don't know. Um, I presumably she'll also be filming. Well, I guess that won't be yet, but Dancing Dancing with with the Stars. Yeah, that'll be in the fall. But um uh uh yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting conundrum for sure. And do you think Raquel will be back? I don't know. I think I presume yes. I've heard nothing of the sort that she won't be. Um it kind of depends, I think, on how much say her parents have in her life. And um, she is 28. So, um, you know, presumably, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, she, if she's been away for all this time, for sure. I mean, it seems that seems to be true. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> whatever work you've done on yourself for you to then be like, and now I will be going back to the reality show that that put me here. I, I don't know. That seems absurd to me. That's like a joke, but you know, pays the bills. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, she is, she is a real, she's a real mystery. I, and that's the thing, you know, in watching even the teaser for part three and in listening to how cast members have discussed um, in whatever coded kind of cagey ways they feel that they're allowed to discuss the reunion as a whole without all three parts having aired, the thing that has left me so befuddled by her have been obviously her reactions in the trailer and then just little moments that we've seen of her in the chair during part three. I mean, she is overwhelmingly unaware. And I just don't know how much of that is an active choice to not understand, for example, why Sheena is breaking down and her making an awkward, I thought, joke about maybe I should write her a card. But then I was like, I watched it over and over again. I was like, is she joking? I don't even understand. No, I don't think she was joking, Sarah. I do not think she was joking. 
I don't know. I don't, I, I, I truly, she's, she's fascinating. She's fascinating. And, um, it's, it's unclear what's going on with her. And if completely unrelated to like this whole, you know, uh, armchair diagnosis style stuff that's been going on in the Bravo world, there's the idea of a person being self-aware and with Raquel, I'm like, I, I don't even, it feels like she is aware. I'm not, I'm not being like sarcastic. I Like it feels like she is aware of where she is, but that even feels somewhat distorted because where she is feels so connected to where Sandoval has been like, wink, wink, agreeing with her about yeah. where she is. And I don't mean literally being away right now receiving potential care I mean where she is in terms of her relationship to and with him her relationship with the cast her saying to Andy hoping for the best preparing for the worst it's like what did the best look like for you and what does it mean that she has not quite steeled herself against the vitriol it feels like there's nowhere no place for it to pass through yep no it's true and it's almost like she was on a mission I mean this was in the story I wrote the reunion taped on a Thursday they weren't sure until Tuesday that Raquel was coming um and she taped her one-on-one that day uh, because, uh, you know, I think she was a bit of a flight risk. So, um, uh, whereas I think Tom and Ariana came in the day before, but, um, but yeah, I mean, she's like on a mission, you know, she's on a mission to show up and take responsibility and, uh, nothing else can, it's like a, program i mean i I don't i don't know i don't know well it it goes into something that one of the members of the cast like mutual friends said on one of the members of the cast individual podcast but yeah they had interacted with her the day of the uh, previous finale episode the party that went completely awry and had said to her at one point and I'm completely fucking up the narrative here the specifics of the language but like she had just been a complete dick to Terry Maloney and um to Katie and this person had said to her like are you not aware of how your behavior is coming across this was during filming like surely do you understand that there's like some empathy one could have like potentially adjusting your behavior in some way it does not appear that you have an understanding there of like what empathy is and she took that and then just completely externalized it and then went up to Katie and was like I have empathy I understand what empathy is and just parroted what this person had said to her as guidance and just repeated it out loud as like okay you're giving me maybe life advice here that's specific also to filming into the show. So I take that life advice as a script. And there is a way that I see her sometimes reacting to Tom and the circumstance where it feels like she's taken on life advice, but her way of internalizing it is like 
And then my life advice is that I am independent now. Like the way that she's talking in confessionals and she's like, and now I found myself and she's crying. I, I, she feels connected to it, but also it, it makes no literal sense in terms of her behavior, except to connect, you know, independence with like having an affair or, or being the other person in this other person's affair. It's, it's confounding. I mean, her performance in that, what was going to be the original finale was truly astounding and her ability to show up where she's not invited nor wanted. It's almost admirable. I mean, honestly, like I would never bust in on Lala Kent's birthday. (laughs) If I were not invited, like, of all the people, someone who's literally never liked you. I just, it's it's truly, and that one went well for her uh, in the end. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a pageant background. I don't, I don't know what that is. But, you know, was, I was on a podcast with Charlie Burnett, um, who is, you know, I, I don't, I guess they don't, do they not have friends on? Uh... She's essentially a friend of on VPR. It's very confusing. So she was terrific and very insightful and had known Raquel from the pageant world when they were teenagers, which I had never known before, because I think Charlie was introduced and there were no connections to anyone really uh, in that terrible season where <laughs> season eight, uh, where she, that she's the so, the sole survivor of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh she said that, um, you know, she herself had stopped doing pageants at a certain point because she didn't there were a lot of things she didn't like about it. But one of them was that she didn't like competing with other women and that she thinks that Raquel has that mindset still uh, that she um that she that's ingrained in her competing with other women. And you really saw that this season with Katie. Um you know, and obviously under under wraps with Ariana, you know, and that was a secret that she was keeping very much explicit with Katie. Um, but, you know, and when Terry Maloney says, you know, Tommy loves Katie, Katie loves Tommy, I'm like, I don't know, Terry Maloney, but but like I would I, I don't know. I, I feel like they've hated each other since before they were married. But um, but I still just don't get in between them. Just don't. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really fascinating thing that we've gotten to see here. And I know you're a succession fan. Um, and I just feel like the fact that these two shows were unfolding in parallel at the same time, like I was like, how lucky are we? You know, I mean, how lucky I, I'm, are in a, we? I'm in a nervous clench watching both of them, uh, you know, when I when when I when I watch them and I, they have more in common emotionally than they do substantially. But, uh, but anyway, just riveting, riveting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really been an incredible season of Vanderpump rules. And after what we went through with seasons eight and nine, uh, you know, 
we deserve it. And so does, so do the producers and so does Bravo, uh, because what a resilient, I mean, that's, I guess that's what happens when it's real people's lives, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I read your interview with Matthew McFadian, McFadian after McFadian, I, McFadian, I was so close after yeah. the succession series finale and, Talk about terrific performances. I'm sure that there are some HBO Maxinistas who are girding their loins right now at the idea of drawing parallels, but just even in terms of a potential breakdown or breakthrough in human behavior, both shows can leave a person reeling. It just so happens yeah. that one is um, ever so pointedly scripted and the other happens oftentimes when a cast member thinks they're writing the script in their head and I mean I don't think this was a scripted moment it felt to me like a very very real one which was all the more devastating but there was a moment when Raquel talked about how she was so excited to um, get with Tom because it was the first time she had ever been with someone that she loved like the first time she had ever been intimate with someone that she loved which was to me like so unbelievably devastating to hear someone say that understanding the greater landscape here of who Tom is that to even apply the idea of love toward this man who's in a long-term relationship I mean he's he 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 will never be hers and that is so upsetting to even like think about just regardless of villainizing Raquel or speaking true speaking truth yeah. to Raquel just the idea that like this is what you think love is this mm-hmm. is the show of love is is this it's it's so dark to me it's so incredibly dark no and i'm curious i mean uh, I'm curious about what their future holds. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot out there about that. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I feel like, they, I feel like they should stay together. I mean, if, if, you know, I, I, it, they've blown up, both of them have blown up their lives. So, um, at least they'd have each other. I don't, I question mark. I don't, it's, it's very, uh, yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, and ultimately he wants someone to be in total service to him. And there yeah. might not be anyone else on the world in the world who might have capacity to do that except for this one person who's also seemingly needing some care right now. So how he even looks at that, if he even to himself as a human is like, is this person available? Like, right. would would I be doing, in fact, more harm to stay with this person? Is my is our expression of love actively hurting them? I wonder if he will utilize any idea of love to kind of allow her to heal, even if her idea of healing stays connected to him. It's I don't have a lot of hope there. It's going to be really fucking nuts if um if they both stay. I mean, I he's not going anywhere but like if she stays on I it's the future is is anything um listen Kate Arthur I could talk to you all day this has been so fascinating I am so excited for making a scene I can't wait to watch it I also have to say is it actors on actors starts yes it's began today Jeremy Allen White 
and uh, Jennifer Coolidge was the first one. And tomorrow, mm. when this podcast comes out, Catherine Heigl and Ellen Pompeo, which, as I said to them before I began moderating that conversation, I said, this is my Super Bowl. And they looked at me blankly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but try, you know, if friend, in a friendly way. Um, but that one is going to, I mean, honestly, I was I was uh, moderating it with Ramin Satuta, who's the right. co-editor of Variety. And we two people never moderate together, but I was like, it's the final one. Let's just do it together. So you're sitting off camera in these folding chairs. And I was there were parts where I was digging my claws into his shoulder and being like, ah. And there's one part where you can hear us. Katie Heigl says something that's so funny. She tells a story that's so funny and crazy that uh, you can hear us laughing in the video. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's it's a it's a fantastic lineup this year. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I mean, when I saw that you were the co-moderator, I just about lost my shit because this is a conversation that I don't think anybody ever thought was going to happen. And in terms of trying to understand in 2023, the response to Katherine Heigl then, which I think yes. is a longer conversation, but one yes. that I also think is complicated. Like there's a way that we should and must apply the lens of gender politics and gender analysis when discussing all of the craziness that happened slash continues to maybe happen at, at Grey's Anatomy. But I also think it's like complicated there, like remembering the Letterman, I think it was Letterman interview. Like there's just so much that's so weighted that I would think any idea of light being a part of that conversation is a revelation. Yeah. No, they they seem to they're not in each other's daily lives by any means. But and Catherine Heigl lives in Utah, um, but they seem to have the kind of bond that like when you've got I have not gone to Trauma war when you've worked with someone for years, um, you know, you you your work friends. And that is a meaningful and true relationship. And that's what they seem to have. And yeah, it's a really, really fascinating conversation. And I hope people watch it. It's incredibly long. We let them go. Usually they're like 40, 45 minutes at the most. And we let them go for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, I think the crew was like, what is happening? Um, but we just couldn't stop them. I mean, they they went on a a jag at the end of it. And I think this makes it in. Ellen Pompeo says all the things we weren't going to say. <laughs> uh, was very funny and charming. And I guess they'd strategized ahead of time to be non-controversial, but, um, but it's, they have a really great conversation and it's, and yeah, I mean, we were, we knew it would get attention, but we weren't expecting like, you know, TMZ and Us Weekly and, you know, headlines to, you know, to announce it for us once the news came out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it was it was very fun. I mean, you broke the Internet, if not my brain in that moment. I was I like, holy fucking shit. And also kudos to you in the words of uh, Ramona, not to get emotional, <laughs> yeah. um, but to actually remove any semblance of a singer stinger and to just provide a landscape where these women felt comfortable and safe to maybe talk about the things that they had agreed they wouldn't discuss. That says something, I think, about your interview skills and moderation and just the set in and of itself, which is, uh, I would think, an enormous compliment. 
Thank you. I, I, I don't. It was it was more of a once they got going. It was situation. a release. I mean, when we were, you know, we were on the side saying, you know, lean into grays, lean into reminiscing, um, you know, just grays, grays, grays. And 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 it's a really great it, it goes all over the place, too. Like, it's like I didn't realize that a pick me girl was a thing like that's a TikTok thing. Um like people, people, teenagers say that's, oh, she's a pick me girl. Um, this comes up is. in the conversation. Oh. It's it's like a, an annoying girl who like seeks oh. male attention. So, or, or seeks attention maybe. And so, mm-hmm. so it, it, Ellen, I'm this, this is a small part of it, but Ellen Pompeo says that she heard her daughter and her daughter's friends talking about someone who's a pick me girl. And, uh, and, and she was like, what did you just say? And and so they explain it and they and she's like, do you know who the original pick me girl is? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and then they talk about that speech, the pick me, choose me, love me mm-hmm. season two, I guess, probably. Um, but anyway, and how much she hated doing that and she fought it. And, you know, she was like she she says, I tried to draw a line in the sand saying, you know, why would I beg a man on television? You know, so but she's like, and then it's the most famous thing I ever did. So um, so yeah, it's it's a great conversation and I can't wait for people to see it. Uh well, guys, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, which spoiler alert is gonna be in about 15 seconds, I highly encourage that you run over to Variety where I will be watching that conversation on a fucking loop. No joke. Um, Kate Arthur, I've taken way too much of your time. Thanks so much for coming on AG. This conversation has to continue, especially because it originated as a housewives podcast. And I would love for you to come back, get your thoughts on all things, New Jersey, Atlanta, Orange County is about to bloom. Um, would absolutely love it. In the meantime, though, can you tell the AGs where they can follow you on social and get more of these very, very fabulous deep dives? Do you have a Twitter handle that people can? Um, I, I'm just my name, Kate Arthur, K-A-T-E-A-U-R-T-H-U-R. And uh, yeah, I'm just on the Internet. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that would be great. People want to follow me on, on the dying social media platform. That it, <laughs> Follow Kate on that dying social media platform, also known as Twitter. And then follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Sign up for the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. And Kate Arthur, thanks again for coming on. Oh, my God. This was I just feel like I need to now go back into the Kate Arthur library and reread everything I've ever read. This was just wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a very fun. That was a pleasure so thank you all right guys hope you're all doing okay let's see what happens with part three. Oh my god is anybody gonna be right probably not and we will talk to you soon bye-bye <laughs> <laughs>